Hi there, this is Liz Townley, and you're listening to the Custer Gallatin National Forest Planning Podcast. Today, I'm here in beautiful Bozeman, Montana with Pam Novitsky. Pam, why don't we get started with you just sharing a little bit about yourself? Well, my name's Pam Novitsky, and I'm the recreation planner on the forest plan revision team that is working to revise the Custer Gallatin National Forest plans. My background is that actually I'm a, I'm a long-term career employee with over 35 years managing district-level recreation typically. So I've always said that I'm the supervisor of the folks that really have the fun jobs. I supervise wilderness, trails, campgrounds, dispersed recreation on a variety of forests actually, uh, mainly in the Pacific Northwest. So as a recreation manager, do you have any good toilet jokes? <laughs> well, in fact, if you're talking to a real recreation manager, uh, we all know that the core we share is that we're all nonchalantly uh, comfortable discussing outhouses over lunch. It's kind <laughs> of a sign of being a real pro. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, uh, Pam... I know that the Custer Gallatin National Forest has over 1 million acres of designated wilderness. And moving beyond the existing designations, such as wilderness or inventoried roadless areas, can you share with me what forest plan allocations are and what some of those look like on the Custer Gallatin? Sure. So we use the word land allocation. And really what that means is maybe in more urban areas, you might hear the word zoning. But here what we're talking about are geographic parcels of land that we're going to manage for specific purposes, although almost always there's a whole variety of management that's taking place within those. Um, and now in the forest plan, allocations are those that the Forest Service can identify doing our forest plan revision that we're in right now. Uh, there's a couple that we're required to do as a team. And that means that the planning rules are such that we will do uh, two real specific tasks. And the first one is recommended wilderness areas. And what I mean by required is that any national forest in the country, when they're doing a forest plan revision, they're going to look also at recommended wilderness area. So within that topic, the first thing we do is we look across the entire landscape of the forest. And we do this really broad inventory of lands that might be suitable for future recommended wilderness area. And again, as I said, this is a really broad overlook in the inventory. And then within that big footprint, we look at specific parcels of lands that we feel the characteristics would qualify them to be recommending. And what I mean by recommended is recommended to Congress as potential future wilderness areas. So this is a major factor in the forest plan revision in the way that alternatives are developed in our draft environmental impact statement. So you're going to see five alternatives, and each one of them you'll see varying amounts of recommended wilderness areas or not. So that was one of those two required steps. The other one in forest planning is that we look at all the rivers on the forest to see if any are eligible, again, to be recommended to Congress as a wild and scenic river. And I'll note that for the last 30 years, we've had 12 rivers between the Custer side of the forest and the Gallatin side of the forest back when they were two separate forests and two separate plans. So those plans have had, all these 30 years, 12 rivers eligible. And now, actually, one of those in the meantime, and this was just last year, was recently designated by Congress. And it became the first 
designated wild and scenic river on our forest, and that's the East Rosebud. So again, this time we did a study. We looked at the different aspects of the rivers that are part of the Wild and Scenic River Act, had a lot of public review and involvement, and then this time we have come up with a total of 30 rivers that we feel meet the eligibility for the forest to manage them as what's and, – and the word eligibility here is an important uh, definition for the Wild and Scenic River Act. And what that means is if Congress again wants to come back and enact any through legislation, these are the ones that we have found eligible. So between the recommended wilderness areas and eligible wild and scenic rivers, those are the two that we're required to do when we come around and do a forest plan revision. So some of the other allocations, if you looked at the current Custer National Forest Plan, they had, and again, this was back from the last 30 years, on the Ashland districts, they called out three areas that we called at that time low development areas. Well, this time in plan revision, we really liked the idea, and we thought it had some applicability across the bigger combined forests that we're now writing about. So we have areas this time as an allocation across the forest and different alternatives, and we're calling them backcountry area. But they're based on the idea of the low development area concept. So these are areas that have been lightly developed, and actually they may or may not have motorized or mechanized trails within them. There's variation and some differences between these backcountry areas. And um, our direction is that we customize a particular area in different alternatives. So again, when you look through this uh, uh, draft environmental impact statement, there's going to be some variations by alternatives. But in general, we intend to maintain the status quo of those areas. And in most of them, you know, if there's a motorized trail growing through the area, that will remain. Or if a different backcountry area has no motorized trails, we would not be introducing them. Although this can vary a little bit as you read the different alternatives. So the idea is that these are lightly developed lands, they have a variety of activities, and it's not just recreation occurring there, but that we're um, predicting that uh, the way that this allocation would work is that they're pretty much going to maintain the status quo of management. So those were backcountry areas. Another allocation that we have this time in this forest plan is we're also proposing something calling a recreation emphasis area. So these are areas that are existing, really special places across the forest that have a strong rec emphasis. And, you know, the emphasis might be winter or summer or maybe even it's year-round. So this recreation emphasis area, let me give you an example. Um, the Gallatin River, the kinds of recreation that are occurring along that, whether it's camping or fishing, or actually, you know, there's internationally known fishing destinations. Um, that's an example of one. Or maybe it's West Yellowstone where in the winter there's very high-quality cross-country ski areas and snowmobiling. And these are, you know, even groomed to a very high standard. And again, it might be where international racers or visitors are coming and using that area. So when we're talking to managers in the forest plan, what we're saying is this is a rec emphasis area. It doesn't mean that other kinds of management actions won't happen there, but what we're saying this time is when different types of projects are being proposed, the forest managers need to acknowledge that some of these areas primarily have very high or very distinctive types of recreation use going on. So acknowledge that when you're designing the other projects. Keep that in mind. There's also an allocation that might seem a little different, but this forest has uh, the Stillwater Mining Complex allocation, uh, which is an area 
where we're really recognizing that that area has very unique minerals and mining operations. Area has two large existing platinum and palladium mines that have been mined since the later portions of the 19th century. And it's likely that these mines will continue in operation. And that's just kind of distinctive enough that we designed uh, land allocations in most of the alternatives around that. So can you briefly walk me through the different alternatives as they relate to land allocations? Sure. So the draft environmental impact statement, we have uh, five alternatives. And the first alternative, what we will usually call alternative A, will also, you'll see it mentioned as the no action alternative. And that's because it's based on these two existing forest plans, the Custer plan and the Gallatin plan that have been in effect and are still in effect for the last 30 years. So since I'm talking about land allocations, when we look at those different alternatives, um, for instance, recommended wilderness areas, in our current forest plan, we've had seven different parcels that we were recommending to Congress. Now, no action has been taken over the years, and so we have an alternative right now that is uh, still keeping in existence about 34,000 acres that came from those original plans. Then in our other four alternatives, the acres go from zero all the way up to over 711,000 acres between those different alternatives. And as I said, the backcountry areas, which came from this idea of low development areas uh, in the Custer plan, all five alternatives have a backcountry area and those vary amongst the alternatives between about 6,000 acres all the way up to 253,000 acres. And in those alternatives, you will read and see that there's some variation in the kind of uses that may be allowed in those different alternatives. So you'll want to make note of that. Now, our current plans at Alternative A plans, we really didn't have anything quite like the recreation emphasis area that we've thought of uh, this round of forest plan revision. So it's only the four new alternatives that include those. And in those alternatives, you'll see differences in both location and acreage between 35,000 acres all the way up to 214,000 acres. Again, I mentioned the Stillwater Mining Complex is an allocation proposed in three, but not in one alternative. Um, basically, some of that land is being proposed as a recommended wilderness area. However, I really do want to point out that in all alternatives, the Stillwater uh, mining would continue. It's just variation of a management area allocations. And the allocation um, that's carried in most of the alternatives is at 102,000 acres. Okay, so Pam, what kind of information can the public provide during the upcoming comment period that can add value or help support the decision? Yeah, well... You know, if I think about it, there's really two different important things. One is there's the forest plan document. And that document says how we would manage certain areas, certain kinds of allocations, or for instance, how we would manage our fisheries or our riparian areas, or how we manage wilderness. And it has language that we use, like um, we're going to use certain standards or guidelines or objective or goals. We talk about desired conditions. And boy, we've had a lot of public involvement and a lot of discussion about these. So look at that planning document and comment on anything uh, that you see there that you either want to support or if you have some different ideas about it. So that's one document, the plan. The other document that you're going to be reading and commenting on now is the Draft Environmental Impact Statement, or it's always called the DEIS. 
And what that's doing is looking at these different five alternatives that I've been talking about. And that DEIS would say where those management actions would occur. So for instance, where would there be recommended wilderness in an alternative? How would the recommended wilderness be in the plan? What are the trade-offs? Where would um, items occur? So when you're reading that, realize that the maps are going to look different among the five alternatives, and these land allocations that I've been talking about are going to be varying. And so you'll um, look through uh, both documents, and you realize that they're discussing different things. The plan, again, is how we would manage whatever um, the allocation is in place, and the DEIS is showing a variety of options for where those land allocations might be. And then, you know, for input, we always ask people to be as specific as you can, not only with what's being common about, but, you know, if it's a certain location of the forest, give us that geography. If you feel strongly about a certain area and the statement really is pertaining to that specific area, let us know it. You know, if you make a very general statement, for instance, you would like as much wilderness as possible, okay, we understand your feeling behind that, but it would actually help us if you say, for instance, I favor a certain alternative because it offers this or because of these reasons, and that's what you're looking for protection. Or if your view is, hey, we have enough wilderness and you feel sure there should not be any additional areas, go ahead, give us your specific reasons behind that rationale as well. You know, again, just having a, a thumbs up or thumbs down with no other explanation is not as useful to us. So in summary, be specific. Uh, use actual geography to help us understand if that's pertinent to your comment. And then one thing that's really important, when you're looking through all these alternatives, understand that the decision maker can pick from different parts of each alternative for a final proposal. So you don't only have to embrace one specific alternative. You can tell us the parts you like in multiple ones and explain to us maybe some kind of different combination. And so we don't have to take that single alternative as it's currently written exactly in place. We have the ability to draw from those multiple alternatives. Great. Thanks, Pam. And thanks for tuning in to the Custer Gallatin Forest Planning Podcast. Up next, I continue to visit with Pam, this time about recreation resources.